0: This is People Every Day. Coming up...
1: I don't believe in genres anymore. I just believe that people express their soul. The Late Show's
0: John Batiste opens up and belts it out. Plus, Rudy Giuliani's daughter Carolyn on her polyamorous lifestyle. And all about the Coming to America sequel. It's March 5th. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to People Every Day presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is finally Friday. We are going to have some fun today. Later on in the show, I chat with musician, late show with Colbert, band leader, and newly minted Golden Globe winner, John Batiste, who offers up a little serenade to take us into the weekend. So you do not want to miss that. But first, let's talk about what's going on in the world of entertainment and beyond. With me today to break things down are Editor of People.com, Zoe Ruderman, and Entertainment Projects Editor, Mary Green. Hi, guys. How's your Friday going so far? Hello, Janine. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Hey, Janine. It's going well so far, but we're only a few hours into Friday. That's true.
0: That's true. Any exciting quarantine weekend plans? (laughs) I know that's like an
3: oxymoron. Watching a lot of TV isn't it the same every weekend?
0: <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, okay, so 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 let's let's talk about what is is really blowing up out there. Um, first and foremost, Rudy Giuliani's daughter Carolyn Rose Giuliani uh, has been very outspoken in a new Vanity Fair essay about her life um, as a unicorn. Uh, she is polyamorous, and she just. Makes it plain that she is the third partner in a lot of different relationships, or for couples looking to have threesomes. Um, Zoe, t- take me through like what you would say her her motivations behind being so forward about her personal life is in, in this article.
3: Yeah, and this was really candid. It got you know. Very open, very honest. She really did not hold back here. She really gets into the details of what it means to be polyamorous. This is not her just kind of skimming the surface. And I really think her goal here is to destigmatize. She talks a lot about how this is a taboo. She talks about how people have responded to this in the past. And I think she wants to make clear this is a very valid choice and not only valid, but this is something that can help people if they feel like, you know, this is the direction that they want to take their lives. This is a story as much about her mental health and her happiness as it is about her sexual preferences and
0: what she chooses to do. Wow. And 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 one of the things that that got me was just, you know, her Really just throwing out these misconceptions um, that people have about sexually adventurous people and and how they're not responsible or um, You know how they're never going to find someone like all these things that people have said to her face on dates and things like that and she Just kind of says like, you know, this is my life. This has actually made me better. But at the same time uh, this of course is a stark contrast to When you think of her last name when you think of you know her father when you think of this extremely conservative um, figure there, there there's a bit of a conundrum there, but Mary I just I guess I'm wondering do you do you feel like this is an example of how You know differing ideals can coexist in a family or is it is it more complicated
2: than that? I think that's part of it. Um, one thing she didn't go into at all, of course, is the relationship with her father. Um, so we don't really know how she's received in her own family, but rather, in a way, how she's received by everyone else other than her family. She also reveals that she went through teenage anorexia, mm-hmm. uh, eating an eating disorder. So that certainly would have been while she was living at home. Um I thought that it was strikingly intimate, actually, in its portrayal. Um, I give her good. Yeah, I
3: do too. And also let's remember in terms of her relationship with her father, this isn't the first time she's written an essay for Vanity Fair. She, you know, two weeks before the election last year, she wrote an essay saying, vote for Biden and Harris. You know, she has tried to separate herself from that last name. That does not stand for who she is, she believes. Um, So yeah, as Mary said, she doesn't get into how she's perceived by her family. But I think what's so important is that she talks about how she's been perceived by the Couples that she goes on dates with, that she engages with sexually, by her friends, that kind of by breaking down these barriers and showing this is actually a very valid and normal way of living and living sexually, and saying that people kind of they understand it. And she talks about this one couple that she had a relationship with and how she actually helped that couple. So I think you know, Mary, as you said, like the detail that she goes into the intimacy, it's actually really helpful because we have so many cases of you know, celebrities, big names talking about their sex lives, frankly, they're being very candid, but Mm -hmm. we don't have people who live polyamorously talking about the terminology or how careful people are. You know, Janine, you mentioned like the reaction she gets is you're mm-hmm. irresponsible, yeah. or, you know, how, how does it work with STDs? And she actually says the opposite might be true, that we're even more careful and that there's a script for talking about these right. things.
0: And, and, and also just the texture about her personally and emotionally in a relationship, like how she says she does eventually want to find a monogamish relationship, like, like some of the couples that she's dated where she has a strong bond with, with another person and you know they they open up their their love lives to others as they see fit so just it was it was kind of mind blowing for me to just hear how candid she was Totally. And I think
3: the hope is that women who are in her shoes, but maybe not kind of brave enough to come out and say this might be inspired to live a little bit more liberally. And, you know, listen, I come from, my background is Cosmo magazine. Mm-hmm. So like, I am all, I'm like a sex positive I'm person. All in. I'm like, do your thing. <laughs> yes. Like, and you know, she talks about how she was like a little bit stifled sexually until this world opened up to her. So I am all for her kind of like putting the playbook out there and saying, this is a world that exists. If you think this is interesting this is how I did it. Um, One line that really stuck out to me is she said, I want to live in a world where we talk about sex as comfortably as we talk about food or the weather. Mm. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet. Not I think about, like yet, every Zoom but... call starts with the weather. I'm like, how would that go if we started with <laughs> I'm like, our sex lives? How I, was I your probably get some calls. Yeah, yeah. I don't think HR would be thrilled. I already think they're not going to be thrilled with my Google history prepping for this. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, she wants us to take one baby step in that direction. And let's be honest, that goes hand in hand with ending slut shaming, which is yep. very much a thing that is still happening. Absolutely. Regardless, you know, even if you're not in a polyamorous open yeah. relationship. For sure. And I will say, I looked on Twitter, the response she's getting is so positive. I sort of was like, oh no way. Yeah, 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 what's going to happen? <laughs> I had to look hard to find something even vaguely negative. Same. I, I was worried
2: they were going to cancel unicorns after that.
3: <laughs> oh, no. oh, unicorns could never be canceled. Not this kind of unicorn, not the other I kind know. of unicorn. I just, I just, it's all good. I just, exactly. just, just
2: want to see, like, the, yeah,
0: speaking of search history, like the unicorn uh, that has to be trending somewhere at this point <laughs> for people just trying to figure out, wait, what? Um, right, and the grandma that clicks on grandma. it, thinking it's going to be
3: a different kind of search result, and then gets a surprise.
0: <laughs> well, okay. Well, another thing. Uh, we're going to shift over into Mary's um, territory a little more. Uh, that is getting a lot of positive feedback. Um, Coming to America, you guys is is out. It is finally here. We had gotten so many of the the you know the trailers and and the the first looks on the pictures and the glorious costuming, but we
2: can actually watch it now now, right, Mary? Oh my gosh. Yes, it's the first great popcorn film of 2021 in my opinion. It's just utterly delightful and it's everything we want to watch Eddie Murphy be. Um, he's in his, his comedy glory. Ah,
0: I love it. OK, so let's listen now to what Arsenio Hall, who plays Simi, Prince Akeem's personal aide, uh, had to say about why they even did a sequel and just the cultural force that this movie is. Listen in.
1: We never thought we'd do Coming to America too. We always loved the movie and felt it, it's going to stay right where it is. We're not going to mess with it. We're not going to do no sequel. And you can't get away from it. Over the years, we would get calls like Beyonce's doing a coming to America party and she wants you guys to dress as Akeem and Simi and surprise Jay-Z. And one time, Alicia Keys did one of those parties. The movie just won't go away.
0: OK, so, Mary, you've seen it. Uh, for folks who haven't, though, uh, what can they expect from the sequel?
2: They're trying to set up the lineage of the family and supposedly they're in a quandary because, uh, you know, the prince doesn't have a male heir, and still in Zamunda, you need a male heir to carry Dated. on the throne. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was going to say this is much to the chagrin of Kiki okay. Lane's character, who plays one of uh, Eddie Murphy's daughters. Nice. And uh, they find out that during one of the key scenes during coming the original coming mm-hmm. to America, the prince fathered a child, and that child was a son. Got it. The mother, of course, is played by Leslie Jones.
0: (laughs) Oh, this is going to be crazy. Wait, Zoe, tell me, what what are your memories of the original film? Like, was this just as a as, uh, touchstone for you as it was for me. <laughs> this was
3: like exposure to a new kind of humor, but I have to say the costumes were such a big part of it for me too. And I'm super excited for the costume design for, for the sequel too. I'm really excited for it. But yeah, I have plans to watch them back to back. I feel like I need to go back to, it was 1988, right? Yeah. I need to go back into my childhood, watch it again, and then I'm going to watch, um, watch the new one.
0: I am a a huge fan of sexual chocolate, sexual chocolate. That was my favorite. (laughs) We're all going to get calls from
2: HR today, I I think. (laughs) It's really funny, too, because all of those characters, when you look back at them and they're all referenced Mm -hmm. in the new movie, Eddie Murphy is so smart. He also does a modern take and description of some of the, the original characters because... Some of that same stuff wouldn't quite apply yeah, today. Exactly. I'm also super excited about some of the new faces. I feel like, is
3: it too much of a spoiler to give them away? Like Trevor Noah yes. and Tiana Taylor. I'm super excited
0: for that. Guys, thank you so, so much for talking to me today. So fun. Thank you, Janine. <laughs> thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. Next up, John Batiste on life, love, and music in the midst of a pandemic. Stay tuned.
1: Ah. People in the world today Loving is the only way
0: you in such a horrible mood (laughs) how are you doing what's going on I am so good now I was I thought I was good but now I'm great that was awesome (laughs) Uh, you guys joining me now is a man so talented so musically astute and timeless it's hard to imagine he's only 34 Uh, John Batiste how are you how are you doing today I'm very good. I was thinking about
1: this on people in the world today. Woo! My goodness. Loving is the only way. You know that feeling? Ah!
0: Oh my gosh. See, I was already amped up because I just got finished listening to your new single, I Need You, off of the upcoming album. I'll be honest, I couldn't tell if it was funk or jazz or rap, but it just made me want to (laughs) dance.
1: Was that what you were going for? Absolutely. You know, I I don't believe in genres anymore. I just believe that people express their soul and we all have so many things. We contain multitudes, as the saying goes, and I just wanted to make people feel some joy. Taking, you know, I I took, with that song, I took the the old Lindy Hop dance from Harlem Mm -hmm. in the 1930s and and blended that with modern contemporary dance. And that's what the music is. It's like chitlin circuit, juke joint music mixed with pop music.
0: It's what I needed. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's what I need right now. So much craziness. I loved it. I loved it. So, so okay, we have this album coming, but you, like me, have a pretty demanding daily gig. Uh, it, it's been six years now since you and Colbert have been hanging out on The Late Show, right?
1: Yes, yes, six years, and it's it's um over a thousand shows.
0: That's a lot.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what it's like when you have something that you, you you do every day. But it's 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 really special to travel and be among amongst the people. When you see people who feel like they know you, there's just familiarity and it feels like a community that's across the globe that we have cultivated through this show, being in people's living rooms five nights a week. So I'm every time I'm out amongst the people, I realize how powerful it is yet again. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Uh, How how was it finding the time to work on the album in between, you know, filming and and then also with with the pandemic? Like, how did you make it all work?
1: Wow, that was a story. So I started the record in my dressing room in September 2019. And it was in my dressing room in the Ed Sullivan Theater, which has so many incredible stories that, you know, even just that dressing room in particular, I learned when I got to meet and work with the legendary Carol Burnett, that it was her dressing room when she did the wow. Carol Burnett show. So, and, and she told me that, and it just gave me an inspiration to, to, to really trying to soak up that energy and the stories that happened in that in that building. So six days, we created the blueprint for the album, and then over the course of nine months, ending, you know, in May... June of 2020, mm-hmm. during the height of the first wave of the pandemic. That was how long it took to really get the vision of the album and finish it and everything.
0: Wow. And so you could literally come off stage, go into your dressing room and, and just get to writing and, and work on stuff.
1: Absolutely. We had my, my uh, collaborators, Autumn Rowe and Kizzle, along with several other creatives, musicians, food deliveries coming in and out, all kinds of stuff coming <laughs> in and out of the dressing room 24-7. And each day we record one or two songs. And those songs I then took and created this album, We Are, from just those six days of inspiration and round-the-clock sessions in my dressing room.
0: I love it. And, th- and so you have you know, another single that's out now that people can listen to is Cry. But what were you pulling upon personally for this album?
1: Wow, I was thinking about the lineage of my family and my lineage personally. You know, making the album when I started 33 years old is this age, you know, if you make it past 27, 33 is kind of the solidifying of who you are, the culmination. Yeah, the
0: God year, the Jesus year.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. That feeling of just coming into my own as an artist and reflecting on my lineage. And I hear that accent, that seven. <laughs> well, we grew up in New Orleans, but it's all, its it's a part of the whole thing. And then thinking about the black diaspora of culture and music and really trying to create a black pop masterpiece, taking all of the black forms of social music and putting them into a work that synthesizes our experience to this date.
0: And I, I hear there's some, some some love on there. I mean, well, I need you. It's is pretty <laughs> clear about it. But uh, there, there's some love notes on there, too. So I'm, I'm wondering, what does your girlfriend have to say about the album? What, what's Suleika's favorite song?
1: She loves, uh, she loves Cry, she loves I Need You, and um, she really loves um, Show Me The Way, which she's actually, I sampled her in Show Me The Way.
0: That's so sweet, yeah, you guys have been together for 10 years, uh, Saleika Jawad. she's an Emmy Award winning writer, speaker, Just she's just dope, survivor, all of In it. the book, um, yes. So, how has quarantine treated you guys? Because I've learned a lot more about my husband <laughs> in this last year. Oh, So how yeah. has quarantine been treating yeah. y'all?
1: You know, it's been beautiful because obviously there's so much loss and so many tragedies that we have faced both individually, collectively and then societally. But I find that this time has also been a, a blessing in that it gives us a break to be with each other. and to evaluate our choices in life and the things that we have been doing. When we go go back to some sense of normality, do we wanna go back to those things? Yeah. (laughs) What do we wanna adjust? (laughs) Who do we wanna get to know better that we thought we were gonna always have that chance to take that trip or to talk talk to and, and see, and now we've been apart and we haven't been able to, and we don't know when we will be able to. So just knowing all of those things have been given a a chance to process in our mind, in our internal lives, been given a chance to thrive in this way, to, to deal with all of these emotions and thoughts, the good and the bad and everything in between has been a blessing, I think
0: nice uh you you shared a lot of yourself on soul as well I want to talk about that um, and what that was like it was a momentous occasion I loved watching it with my son and him seeing you know someone that looked like him on just his favorite platform Pixar uh so so what was it like for you working on that film and, and did it feel like it had the weight that it it did for a lot of people
1: it was a very special collaboration you know, And it was something that I was very pleased to find out in collaborating with them that the authenticity of the music and also my experience, you know, there's parts of the film where even my words are the dialogue, like the first scene when Joe is teaching the middle school band, um, that's my words and, and my music. So they really incorporated a lot of not just the musical side, but who I am and my essence into the story.
0: Nice, nice it was so great just everything about the film i really loved it and and you could just hear your musicality coming through so that was dope uh take, take me to now like i've heard that you've been doing these pop-up performances for a good cause uh, throughout the city so how has that been just getting back out there because live music is we're, we're missing it
1: <laughs> my goodness you know i didn't know how much i missed that feeling of performing in the sensation of that until we did that performance for the essential workers, you know, we performed at the Javits center and this is yeah. one of those things that will hopefully be a bridge to bringing the arts back to the city permanently. You know, this is a hundred day festival that I'm working on with a lot of creatives that New York pops up and, and, um, governor Cuomo's office, Jane Rosenthal, the team is really great. And the artists are incredible, but, it hopefully is not just a hundred days of performances. It's, yeah, it's the beginning of everything coming back um, safely and responsibly. You know.
0: But thinking back to that, did you ever did you ever picture this? Did you ever picture just how much one joy you were going to be able to bring to so many people on on such a high level?
1: I felt the notion that I was being led somewhere. It's ultimately something that we can never know what we're meant to do or how we're meant to do it, but we just got to trust the creator has a master plan. We moving with it. We just moving right along with it if, we, if we're if we lucky. <laughs> so that's it. You know, I'm blessed to have that, that calling on my life and that gift to be able to bring that. And I just want to continue to honor that and be a good steward of the gift, you know, it's mine now, but ultimately it ain't mine. I'm just the vest, the vessel, I'm just the vessel right now.
0: Such an awesome vessel. Thank you so much, John. This is so great.
1: Thank you very Pleasure much. Pleasure
0: to speak with hey, you. Hey, that's it. I can't wait for the album. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That was John Batiste. For more on him, head over to people.com. And before you sail off into your weekend, something to make you smile. It has been so hard for so many people having to social distance from their loved ones during the pandemic, especially when you have elderly family members. Well, one woman, a loving daughter named Lisa Racine of Stillwater, Minnesota, has found a meaningful workaround. Her dad, Harold, is 87 and living in a nursing home, so she took up a second job at his facility in order to see him more. Listen to this.
2: I could, you know, take a yoga class or go to happy hour. I'd rather come and mop the floor and clean dishes so I can see my dad.
0: That's one way to be a good kid and a great Samaritan. That's all for today. Have a wonderful weekend. People Every Day is produced by Julia Weaver, with help from Fallon Harge, Maureen Malarkey, and Aliza Sessler. Executive produced by Christina Everett and mixed by Mary Dew and Bahid Frazier. People's executive producers are David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikader, Will Lee, and the incredible staff at iHeartMedia and People.